Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to this Disney at Work podcast. Well, there has been much said in the last week about the firing of Bob Chapek and the reinstallment of Bob Iger as CEO of the Walt Disney Company. It's difficult to know exactly what happened and when, but it is clear that this is a tale of two leaders, neither perfect, but one with fatal flaws that contributed to a fall in confidence at Disney. We look at a tale of two Bobs, not just to sort out what happened, but as an opportunity to learn some very important lessons on leadership. This Disney at Work episode seeks to help all of us with some key concepts that are instructive in being a leader, no matter what you do or where you live or what role in life you may have. Join us for a tale of two Bobs, three leadership lessons. And I recommend that you might seek out DisneyAtWork.com where our page there is not only going to have an outline of what we're going to be talking about today, it's going to have some important graphics that I'm going to reference as we go through. You know, I've just been watching this for so, not just the last week, but I've been watching this for the last several uh, several years. I think it's been 33 months that Bob Chapek has been put in. I wrote the book, Disney Leadership and You, and I wrote that, and I've written other um, books around these concepts of employee engagement and workforce empowerment and, and creating a great customer experience. And, and I've wondered in the wake of all the craziness of COVID, are, are, are the ideas that I've espoused for nearly three decades, are they really just kind of antiquated? Are they really just kind of old? And I've, I've realized as we're coming to the end of this, that the things that I have been sharing with organizations, best practices of world-class companies, particularly Disney, those, those practices are right and they are the things that work and, and, and succeed sustainably. We're gonna talk a lot about that word sustainable over the long haul. There are short change things you can do to make a fast buck. But in truth, the really smart moves are ones that follow a particular, what I refer to as a chain reaction of excellence. And in my book, Lead With Your Customer, and in other writings that I have, I have talked about the idea that leadership excellence drives a highly engaged workforce, which then leads to highly satisfied customers, which ultimately brings about loyalty and long-term success. And I think what you have to ask yourself starting into this is what does long-term success look like? And let's use Disney as that example. I think that one of the challenges over the last couple of years is that people have come to think that that profitability is a short-term proposition and it is not you cannot just make a buck on the, you cannot just make a really good show on your next quarterly report and think you're going to be okay in the long term 
Yes, you need to pay attention to profits, and profits are ultimately what uh, an organization like Disney has to has to pay attention. It has to provide a return to shareholder, but it's but you can't do it over the short term. You have to create a process that allows that to happen over the long term, and that long term success comes and is sustained by advocacy. And I say advocacy in the sense that you have customers who continue to find value in your organization and who continue to um, who continue to want to come back to the trough, so to speak, because they find that Disney is worth spending their leisure dollar. There are many ways that people can spend their leisure dollar. But uh, but what has succeeded for Disney is by creating an experience of such value that they come back again and again and again. And they find that, uh, and, and, and they become the advocates. They become the ones who say, have you had a chance to go on the Disney Cruise Line? You've never done a Disney Cruise? Well, you have to do that. Or, you know, hey, uh, we just got off of the Star Cruiser. Are they advocating that everybody else goes on that Star Cruiser? Are they advocating that people should go see Wakanda forever? Or that other movie that came out at Thanksgiving weekend that nobody saw. You see these things, if people see great value, they come back again and again and again. And that's what creates your long-term success. And when you when you pick away at that, when you ignore your customer, when you when you don't pay attention to creating value, that well. A great customer experience must be sustained in order for it to succeed. And so we say that the thing that drives loyalty and long-term success is a highly satisfied customer. Well, I could tell you that highly satisfied means you're providing a great experience, not a good experience. There is a difference when you put out all those surveys you put out and people say five out of five, as opposed to three or four out of five. When people, I think one of the things that has happened is we have we have becoming, Disney became accepting of somebody saying it was okay. It was expensive, but all right, whatever. No, people have to say, oh my gosh, that was great. That was worth it. I have come back to again. You saw, that that play out uh, when I spoke of the Cirque du Soleil Drawn to Life show last week in my previous podcast. Oh my goodness, I can't tell I I can't tell you the number of people I have said. Have you seen that Cirque show? Because I've now become its advocate because I had a deeply satisfying experience. And oh by the way, that was an expensive experience, but I found that it was worth it, and thus. Um, because it was a great show. If it had been a good show, and Lanuba, in many ways, was a good show. But in my view, and some people saw it was great, but I see this new show as great, and therefore, I, as a customer, choose to be an advocate because I was highly satisfied. And by the way, you can't get to this by nickel and diming your customer. 
And one of the problems is, is in order to feed the Disney Plus dragon, and, and which is really, uh, by the way, this is really odd too, because I, if you came to me with a value proposition and said, yeah, I need to charge you $20 a month for Disney Plus. Now, don't all die on me, but for me personally, I would say, okay, I find great value off of Disney Plus. Although I feel like there's so many things poured into it, I don't have time to really sort it through. But what I do find, I find incredible value off of. And so I'd be I'd be okay paying more. Instead of going down that path of really charging what that service valued, they've been taking, uh, kind of robbing um, people who come to the parks. Uh, I think... Uh, you rob the, the the people of a higher price at the parks in order to pay for all of the costs of production at Disney Plus. And I, I don't think that has been a sustainable uh, you uh, proposition. You cannot nickel and dime your guests in the parks. And we have gotten to that nickel and diming point of view. That is not sustainable. I don't expect prices to come down, but I do expect that they have got to stop the nickel and diming if they want to keep guests coming back to the park. And by the way, great comes from creating value. Value is a proposition in which you say what you offer in terms of your people, in terms of your setting or your place, in terms of processes, in terms of the products you have, that people say, well, it is worth the price. Tangibly or intangibly, it is worth the price I pay to want to come back there and be part of it. So great customer experience must be sustained. There also, what drives sustainably a great customer experience is a highly engaged workforce. Employee engagement and morale are vital. I call it two sides of the same coin. You have to pay not only attention to your external customers, the ones, for instance, who come to the Disney parks, you have to pay attention to your internal customer, i.e. your employees. And I think that too, over the last 33 months, has been chipped and chipped and chipped away. A great example of this was the declared move to Lake Nona of all Imagineers and of the Disney Park Experience um, executive team. Now, I think that is a smart move to move out of a very expensive city. I see the sense in that. But what happened is they didn't involve people and they didn't consider their own families and their own lives and the, and the uh, impact that that would have. And so, Morale has gone down and we've lost a lot of Imagineers and a lot of artists and people who are critical to creating a great customer experience. The, the products, i.e. rides and attractions we expected have been on a slow rollout because we don't have enough people to roll them out. And I understand that COVID has played a part in that, but, but you could see, you, you could just see that it wasn't what they were doing, it was how they were doing, how they were interacting with with employees. It was kind of like, eh, 
you do it or else, you know, kind of mentality. That's a very different perspective from what has happened this last week. Just, well, just yesterday, Bob Iger held a town hall meeting with all of the cast members across the company. People physically were present and people virtually was present and they took questions. Some of them were hard questions and some of them were questions Bob didn't either either have a good answer yet for because you've stepped in or maybe didn't have an answer everybody necessarily wanted yet. But, but at least he held the meeting to listen and to understand and to and to and to connect with your employees and if you want an engaged workforce you have to spend time listening and understanding and being there i'm not saying that there weren't um cast members who who really liked bob chapek and who may have been touched personally or privately from him but in terms of his ability to come across the entire organization and hold the trust of those employees that is the only way you could sustainably deliver a great customer experience whether that experience is going to the parks or taking a cruise or watching a film in the theaters now what drives an engaged workforce it is leadership excellence it is the initial cog and of course that kind of comes to the heart of it how good is the ceo but you know what the ceo is not um Leadership is not just positional. Leadership is actually spontaneous. People who rise up and take the lead in the given moment, which is kind of what Bob Iger has done in this moment. But leadership is also personal. It's everybody lifting where they are at. Um, it isn't just about waiting for somebody at the top to to be inspiring and perfect and great. It's what... what um, organizational leaders have to do what great leaders do is they need to create leadership throughout the organization they need to inspire others to take a lead and to support and to go out of their way to to make it to support the employees or the cast members in this case or to go out of their way to create a great customer experience and the example i give here is we all know a manager that we've had sometime in life who was not a great leader. You'd say, yeah, they were the one in charge, but they were not what I call a great leader. And we also, by the way, know people who would say, well, that person was a leader, but they weren't a manager necessarily. They didn't have some position. So it is that when organizations succeed, it's because everyone comes to the surface as a leader in their own personal way, not a too many chefs in the kitchen mentality, but everybody comes together to really lead and share. And so for me, looking at this chain reaction of excellence, leadership excellence has failed at the top, but in terms of really inspiring everybody to lead, it has failed to create a highly engaged workforce, which has led to customers who were not highly satisfied, which ultimately has led to lower profits with the organization, lower returns. I see that the chain reaction of excellence is what truly succeeds. And if you don't put the, if you don't pay attention to those cogs, they will, you will not succeed as an organization. The experience with JPEG over the last, again, 33 months or whatever, has been indicative and a testament that really it does take leadership, driving a highly engaged workforce, driving 
highly satisfied customers. I want to talk more about this leadership thing. In my book, uh, Disney Leadership in You, I actually divide the book into two sections and I make the statement that leadership is really two things. It is your ability to deliver results by, secondly, effectively working with others. Relationships, sometimes we call this the R squared. Results and relationships. As I look at Bob Chapek's tenure, I see a problem in which this individual, well, it became pretty obvious that he was struggling with relationships, but in all, ultimately, um, he also failed to deliver results. Um, the failure to deliver a business model on Disney Plus um, in the last quarter review is is evident by the fact that there was a 1.5 billion dollar loss. If you can you can burn all your bridges, I guess with people, but if you fail to deliver on the financials, then you're really out to pasture. And and frankly, as you kind of look at this, Chapek never really has had a solid and unique brand strategy for Disney+. Plus. I think initially when Bob Iger introduced Disney+, Plus, and it is Bob Iger's brain uh, um, baby initially, I think Chapek took the baby over, which he, it's good to take ownership. But, but I think Iger saw himself as standing out in... Uh, out there by creating a family-based product that would be multi-generational, that could appeal to everyone in the family. Chapek has come in and, you know, he's wanted to put in R-rated movies and adult themes and things like that. And it, and he just basically wants Disney Plus to be, to be Netflix. And Disney doesn't need to be Netflix. Disney needs to be Disney. And I think that has started to play out because if you're going to compare yourself to Netflix and people are going to say, adults are going to say, well, then I'll just stick with Netflix if you're, if, if it's, if it's that. But so I think, I think that is again, from a, you got to deliver the results. If you can't, you can't create a um, brand strategy because the only way you get people to sign up for Disney plus would be a lot cheaper than Netflix. That's not a business plan. Uh, the failure to provide results to Wall Street ultimately was the last thing that did him in. But it's, it's, it's backed up by lots of little moves that created for that. And then, as I mentioned a minute ago, Disney's strategy was to rob park guests to pay for Disney+. And even that approach cost Disney a major loss in shareholder value. The greatest since 9-11. It dropped that badly after that quarterly earnings report. And so, again, if a, le a leader is about results and relationships. So first of all, the thing you would expect him to at least accomplish was the results side. And he didn't. He didn't accomplish results. Well, then you go to the relationship side, which everybody kind of you know, squinted, but maybe those were the dominoes that caused the other to fall. Way back, Bob Chapek abruptly terminated Peter Rice. He was the head of television, brought Peter Rice into a room and 
basically fired him with no cause in about seven minutes. And uh, so am I really surprised when Chapek, his he is terminated abruptly by the chairman of the board, Susan Arnold, in probably a little less time than seven minutes. And with really no cause or no discussion or no, well, this is why I think and maybe his feedback to you. No, just fired. You know, I, his ability with relationships early on and um, particularly, you have to say, uh, I think he came across to people as a my way or the highway mentality. And that kind of perspective, that paradigm is antiquated. Success never, you think, oh, but he's the leader, I'm in charge. Success comes not from being in charge. It comes from counseling and listening to others before you go moving on your decisions and taking a decision that may end up having to make a decision people don't like. But notwithstanding, um, at least people feel like their input was heard and they were heard and understood and they see where you're coming from and so forth. And so they get behind you. But if you just say, it's my decision, not going to work that way. I think, I think his Peter Rice, by the way, the reason most people conjecture that he terminated Peter Rice is because he looked like the most likely individual to replace Bob Chapek. And as to a lot of people, he was, they thought that people thought that Bob Chapek didn't want somebody who looked like such a good candidate to be in the wings, so to speak. Um, all Whether or not that happened, what we know is that is that there are not a lot of people who have stepped up to the plate and said, I can't believe you terminated Bob Chapek. Let me tell you how he has affected me personally and how I have been able to, you know, how he has worked with me and how we've worked together. And no, nobody's come... Nobody's coming to the table on that. Again, leadership takes a look at both of those things. Um, and in my book, I'm not pitching my book today, but I should. But the fact of the matter is, is, you know, you have to, you have to not only pay attention to the money side of the house and to, um, and to being resourceful and to, um, having a vision and getting people behind that vision and working your tail off. It is about results, but it's also about relationships. When we talk about Walt being like a little bee that, that inspires others around and, and the idea that you pick up trash and everybody works together and everybody gets on the bus and, and, um, and you use a little bit of a spoonful of sugar to, 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 do, to get people on board. That's what was missing. Now, I want to say one thing because in my podcast, and I was pleased with my podcast a week ago, which was the first one to come out to say, hey, this has happened with Bob Chapek and with Bob Iger being put in. But I made a comment about one of the first things I thought Bob Iger should do, and that was to remove Christine McCarthy from Disney. She is the CFO. Um, she... Um, Several sources since I did that podcast have suggested that she actually was a key source of insight to the Disney board about the problems Bob Chapek was creating. Um, Bob Iger, in fact, seems to believe in her enough to have asked her to participate in a reorganized committee. 
while I didn't like her portion size comments she made last year in a previous financial call about maybe, you know, we need to cut back portion sizes because some of our guests uh, need to lose weight or whatever. I should have reserved judgment on her, to be honest. And in truth, uh, I still do. I think that she should, however, have warned the board some time ago that the Disney Plus business model was not working. After all, she is in charge of the business plan, the financial bottom line. So how did we get to this point? Some people have conjectured the reason she went to the board is because she was going to be like Peter Rice, the next person to be thrown under the bus. And that's not when you stand up as a leader. You stand up a leader when you see that things aren't happening to begin with. So I I will suspend judgment on this, but I still have some questions. If, if Disney has failed as a business, and that's what CFOs do, is make sure we have a strong, solid business financial model, I'm, I'm just a little confused on that. But I will suspend that. I'm glad that Christine McCarthy did go to the board and make a case that that change needed to happen. I want to talk about a third aspect of leadership. I've, I've spoken about the idea that first the first thing I talked about is that success is a chain reaction. The second thing I talked about is that leadership is a twofold approach based on results and relationships. Third thing I want to talk about is that leadership is more about influence than it is about control. Um, people think it's about control. It's a, it's about being in charge. And I hear so many employees say, "Well, <clears throat> I'm not the one in charge, so I can't make it. I can't do anything about it." No, leadership isn't because you have the reins of control. Although the one thing you should control is yourself, your self-discipline, your own work ethic, and those kinds of things. But really, leadership is not about control. It's about influence. Um, one of the things that played out in this is Chapik tried to control streaming by putting in Kareem Daniel, somebody who has since been terminated from the company, and, and telling um, everybody else, all the other creatives, that, hey, Kareem is going to make the decision, which Kareem probably worked one-on-one -on -one with Bob Chapek to make these decisions, but whether or not something goes to the movie theaters or goes directly to Disney Plus or plays on Disney Plus afterwards or how much budget we should spend on this film project or that movie or that series and so forth, all got thrown into the hands of Kareem Daniel. And so there... This was an effort of Chapek to try to control how things were going to happen. You might say, well, that's what a CEO should do. They should make decisions. No, great CEOs are not about controlling things. They are about influencing other things. And the example to this is that the first thing Bob Iger did was to, again, remove Kareem Daniel and say, no, we're going to push control back to the creative heads. There was a story told, I don't know how true it is, but there was a story told, I think by Jim Hill, that um, Kevin Feige had an interface with Kareem Daniel when cutting budgets, and and Kareem said that, he need, that Marvel needed to cut the animation projects that they were working on. Um, the What If series was an example of a previous animation series. I don't know which series they were cutting, 
And Kevin Feige pushed back and said, look, you know, these are not expensive and you get a lot of bang for the buck. And, you know, compared to these expensive film projects we do, are you sure you... any rate, Kareem was basically saying, hey, you need to be an example, Kevin Feige, of, of showing that you're behind us in cutting costs and da-da-da. And, and, and that, that did not, that did not, apparently. I think that was one of those little dominoes that pushed... Um, that uh, pushed Marvel and other people against Chapek. Um, again, you can't be about control. It's about it's about influence. In fact, let's just look at this where Chapek has failed in terms of influence. First off, there was discussion made during the last week that perhaps Bob Chapek knew um, a couple of years out, like in 2018. Quietly, he was told that he had the opportunity to be the next CEO, but that Bob Iger was going to work with him to help him be successful in carrying out that role. And you know that right before the pandemic, Bob Chapek was finally made CEO and Bob Iger took a more um, strategic role with creative products and so forth, i.e., helping out with the Disney Plus thing as Bob Chapek kind of took in the reins. But the minute Bob Chapek became CEO, he didn't want to have anything to do with Bob Iger. He wanted to push Bob Iger to the side. Now, I got to tell you, even U.S. presidents, great U.S. presidents, reasonably decent U.S. presidents, will go back to their predecessors, Republican or Democrat, and seek out their opinion or advice um, and their thoughts on something. So to just kind of wash your hands of the previous CEO and not talk to him. That, again, you're losing now influence with the previous CEO. Then he starts in losing influence with key executives, all the way from people he's ended up terminating, like Peter Rice, to, to um, Christine McCarthy and others. And so he's losing me. And, and when he made the decision, we're going to cut costs, there was a lot said about the fact that people at the executive C-suite level were surprised by his announcement and how he was employing to do that, which was a control method. He decided to create a little committee at the top who would decide all of the cuts throughout the organization. That's not how you, that's not how you run an organization, is you go tell people from above how to do things. You empower your executives and your managers and your front to figure out those cuts and to work together and collaborate on that, not just come down from above. Um, Bob lost influence with cast members, with employees. Um, Bob lost his influence with Hollywood. Uh, seemed to not even have the emotional intelligence to see how others were seeing him. The Scarlett Johansson example is, I mean, here you are, you're kind of, you're kind of dismissing, and you're, you're a white male, by the way, dismissing a woman, and, and, it just, it, it gave a terrible impression that you were just kind of, well, she's dime a dozen. And she had legitimate concerns. We, everyone in Hollywood had legitimate concerns about how they were going to get paid now that we we're going to go move to a streaming platform and not out of the box office. She had legitimate concerns and he dismissed that. Again, that when, when that event happened, then everybody else in Hollywood saying, what do I want to work for Bob Chapek? you lose your influence with them. He lost his influence with a political leader, 
i.e. Governor DeSantis. And not not to say that you need to agree with DeSantis. I don't think Iger agrees with DeSantis at all. But it's but it's not about being political or being on the right political side. It's about being professional and and how you you interact and deal with with others. Bob Lusta's influence on the fan guest community, especially those in the parks who we just felt who felt like they were being burned and nickeled and dimed and re- reservations and this and that and genie plus. He lost his influence with them. He lost his influence then as the fan community went, as the dollars dropped, he lost his influence with Wall Street. And that's more than just Jim Cramer. There were people backing out and with their investments. And that's how they had the drop. And then finally, he lost his influence with the board, who at one point was really supporting him. But change their mind and ultimately it is a it is a sad statement when you are dropped as ceo of a company in a short phone call but you didn't get there overnight you did it because you you were you acted from a place of more control you you failed to focus on relationships these these are just these are just lessons in life and it doesn't matter if you've got a a, a small online company that you're trying to grow, or if you're uh, if you're a middle manager in a Fortune uh, 500, or you work in a hospital as an executive, it doesn't matter where you are. Public, private, nonprofit sector. These these messages are are things that that really truly, as I have watched this entire thing play out. I have seen that the messages I've been sharing for the last several decades still are true. If over time you want to succeed, you have got to pay attention to that chain reaction, particularly with your employees and your customers. You got to pay attention as a leader to attaining results by effectively working with others. And finally, you got to focus more on influence than trying to be in control. To that end, um, wanted to offer you some souvenirs, which we do for you and your organization. Um, they come in terms of several questions you want to ask yourself. For you, what is success long term, and how do you seek to create a sustained long term success? Second, are you creating a great customer experience? Or are you creating something else? What are you doing to create that? Third, are you truly motivating and engaging your workforce? Because they're the only way to sustainably deliver that great customer experience. Fourth, do you believe that everyone in the organization can be a leader? Not from a positional point of view, but from a place of influence. If so, what are you doing to inspire that, to make that happen, to get people on board, and to, and to lift where they are standing. Think of a great big grand piano. And a, a, the Walt Disney Company or any big organization like that is a big, big, long, great piano. How do you lift and move that thing? You lift and move it by everybody lifting from where they are standing around that piano. Doesn't matter where you stand, everybody's got to lift. 
And that's what you have to do as a leader is you got to get everybody to lift where they are standing. Fifth, how are you being accountable for attaining results? What are those results and how are you achieving them? And then finally, how are you being accountable for effectively working with others? How are you exercising influence and building relationships? Thank you for joining this Disney at Work podcast. I hope this has been meaningful. For those of you who get, who who resonate with these messages, may I suggest that you check out our Wayfinder Society, which is our Patreon group, and that you check the higher tiers. In the same way you would order a magazine, business magazine for your company or a membership in a professional organization, being a part of the higher tiers of the Wayfinder Society gives you tools that give you more examples of the very things that we are talking about with delivering a great, with being a leader and and creating great organizations. So I suggest checking that out. For the rest of you, would you also check out your local podcast provider? And if you like these messages, provide a positive rating or ideally even a review. We appreciate that. We appreciate your patronage. In the words, a Sinbad storybook voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. We say that because if you follow that compass, if you follow that true north, you will be a great leader. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.